Salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host Salim Qasim. Uh, unfortunately, it's just me this week. Hassan um, is, is not here, and neither is Jessica or Roxanne or anyone else. So you're gonna have to put up with just myself. But I'm hoping that the guests that we have on today will be able to make up for the um, lack of uh, other, I guess, co-hosts. Um, so today we're speaking to Fatima Delji, who is, I'm going to read her bio actually, just so I don't miss out anything. Um, Fatima is a businesswoman, founder of the marketing department at Metal, which is one of Africa's top 100 business, business conglomerates. She's a motivational speaker, an avid golfer, a fitness enthusiast, and the author of not one, but two books about marketing. The first entitled market, the first is entitled, sorry, Marketing for an African Powerhouse, and the second is on pre-order now, entitled Storyteller. Assalamu alaikum Fatima. Alaikum salam. Thank you for having me. No, no, thank you. Thank you for being on. That's probably the most um, thorough uh, introduction we've, <laughs> we've done for anyone because there's just so many different kind of hats that you wear. Um, I, I want to start, I guess, talking to you about something that you said the other day. So you were at the Hussein Summit in Birmingham yeah. um, and you were on stage with, um, it was, a, it was a, a panel discussion about female empowerment. Yeah. And there were a couple of former MPs, yourself and, and um, one other person on the panel. And you spoke about uh, your, you spoke about golf yeah. um, and, and how every day you would come home and, and, and your, your dad would make you hit 200 golf balls into a net. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he said something along the lines of, you, you said, oh, I'm just, a, I'm just a girl. Yeah. Um, and he said, I don't care. Right. Um, I guess just to jump straight in, how has that kind of attitude from your father and, and everything that you've gone on to do, right. like what role has that played in, in, in your success and the work that you've done? So I'm going to be completely honest. I remember when I was younger. So this started when I was six up to like, you know, well beyond my teenage years. Right. Um, and golf is like any sport. If you want to get good, you have to keep practicing. Right. So um, I remember I, I hated it at the beginning because um Golf is not something, you know, it's not like a fun sport, you know, like, uh, you know, you can get into, especially when you're six and you're kind of forced to play. Six? Yeah, yeah, I was six when I held wow. my first, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, the thing with my dad is that when he gets, when he, he, and I want to use the word pushed because I don't mean it in with a negative connotation. I mean, I will do that to my kids as well, because I think that when you're at that age, you don't know better. Yeah. Right. That's why you're a child. Mm. Um, so at that time, I hated it for for quite a few years because it was just basically a lot of practicing. Then I remember it was torture, on the weekends, torture by sport. Yeah, you know, and, and then on the weekends, it's like, oh, like you're like, thank God it's a weekend, but not really, because then you go to Madrasa in the morning, and then afternoon. So I would run from Madrasa, go straight to the golf course because it was around the corner, yeah. play eighteen holes. Next day in the morning, you start really early. Again, you play 18 holes. And then you, afternoon, you have like in the evening, I guess. Like if you're not at the presentation, you're finishing up your homework and that's it, right? Um, but now with hindsight, like I realize that the amount of discipline it's taught me, the mental toughness, like even just the social skills, because you meet so many kind of characters, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah. And I think the most amazing thing is how to lose, how to be a good loser, right? Because you're not going to always win. And then what's your attitude when you lose? Isn't golf one of those kind of unique sports though, where you're also always kind of playing against yourself? 
Yeah. As opposed to whoever else is against you. That person might be better or worse. Right. But you've also got your own personal score. Um, right. I don't know the technical terms when it yeah. comes to golf, but yeah, I know yeah. how the sport your is Your handicap, played. yeah. Your handicap, exactly. Right, right. Um, so it, it is it, like, I guess the mindset, and, and with sports generally as well, right? right. The, the mindset that it teaches you, and you say being gracious in defeat and everything else and the mental right. toughness and yeah. like being able to um, put aside what, whatever else might be going on and, exactly. and, and just focusing on, right. on the task at hand. Yeah. Um, it's quite a unique thing in that respect. right? And I think I think the, so this is one of the questions I get asked is like, how how do you, you know, um, you do you do so many things in a day? Yeah. You know, um, how do you make sure that you're fully concentrated? I think that that's what's like golf has taught me, because when you're on the golf course, you can't afford to think about so many other things. You have to concentrate on the sport and on each and every shot, right? Mm. So, yeah, I, I think sports and all of us. So it's I have five other siblings. My sister was a scratch handicapper. She was a zero handicapper, very good golfer, one of the best in Africa. My brothers played tennis as well. So very sporty family. And I think it's... You know what's beautiful is my dad didn't grow up playing sports. He grew up building something out of scratch. But... Mm. His vision was so far beyond that he was like, look, I want to get my kids into all this, mm. you know? And yeah. And and for yourself as well, like <coughs> you've, you've, you, you know, you founded the uh, marketing department at Metal. Yeah. And I, I want to hear more about that and that sure. journey. But specifically, how did you, and I think this is the thing that a lot of people struggle with when it comes right. to business, is finding the, the, the drive and the direction. Because a lot of people will have direction, but no drive. Right. A lot of people will have drive, have but no, no direction. direction right. How do you kind of bring the two together? And, and I guess, what was it for you growing up that was the kind of moment when you realized what you wanted to achieve and, and how you were going to do it? So, um, so I remember that I was a very good student just because, you know, I was so consumed with sports that, you know, it was becoming very difficult to to study. And also, you know, when you grow up in a family, everyone sort of, um, compares you to other people and you know when you come from a big family it's even harder right mm. um so yeah i i've had a lot of criticism growing up you know you're not good enough you're not doing well enough and i never understood what the problem was right but i think one thing that i don't know what it is i think like i've said this so much i think it's genetic that i i don't believe in blaming like i'm not a blamer i it's it's all about um you know sort of self-awareness and um introspection and so i remember that i uh you know i grew i was 15 years old and you know i was watching everyone doing really well in my class and i was like i don't understand what's going on you know and i i want to do better and just overnight it wasn't the success wasn't overnight but my mind mindset, mindset changed yeah. overnight and um the easy part was, yeah, you get the work done. But the hard part is your mind keeps telling you, you know, you're pathetic. You're not going to, you know, it's just all this negative self-talk, right? Yeah. And you have to keep fighting against it, you know? And so it's been like that for all my life. But but, but practically, right. uh, it's almost not helpful <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, to hear that, true, to hear that o- overnight. It was a shit. No, I'm not I saying, know. I mean, that's your story. No, no. But like no, I'm saying the mindset had yeah. to change. But practically, I think that, um, you know, I talk about the process of things all the time, right? Um, and the significance of the process. And yeah, I just look when I interviewed Mehdi Hassan also at the at the Hussein uh, summit. You have to put in the work, okay? There is no shortcut to that. Like mm-hmm. you have to wake up early. You have to have discipline. You have to work hard. You know. Um, unfortunately, I think now we live in a generation that 
you know, you want to get to the top of the mountain, but you don't really want to climb the mountain, right? It's just kind of this phenomenon where um, easy way out because of, you know, the instant gratification and everything's at your fingertips and you want everything so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I, I would say, and I don't know how helpful this is, but you got to put in the work, right? And you're not going to always have a roadmap on yeah. how to get things done. But I feel that we're so privileged. We have the internet. We have everything with us right now that yeah. we can use as tools to get, you know, ourselves further in life. I yeah. think even like when whenever um, we sit down and kind of reflect and, and even like with something like the Muslim vibe, yeah. often people will, will, will ask us like how, how we how we came about, how we did it, whatever. Right. And, and as you said, the one thing that I've always found is that people are always looking for a shortcut. Um, people want to know like oh there, there must have been something and it's right. like no actually we yeah. we had the idea right. we sat down we we did the, the the maths on it we did all the hard work of, yeah. of putting it together and then we slogged right. um for, for years to like build it up to grow the team yeah. and whatever else and it's it, I, that's the other thing i find is that often it's not um it's not as sexy as people would like it to be no um, and, and even like we, we spoke just before we started recording right. about like motivational speaking and motivation right. as well. Right. Um, and you said something interesting. Yeah, I said motivation is garbage because um, uh, first of all, you can't keep relying on people to motivate you. And also, how long does that really last? Right. You watch something, you'll take it in. You'll like you have this like rush of adrenaline or you like get pumped and then, pumped, right? And yeah. then it goes back down, right? So that's why whether if it's you know with my team or it's me doing seminars, everything has to be actionable, right? Like I provide actionable steps. Like okay, here's what a growth mindset looks like. How do you get a growth mindset? What steps do you take to obtain a growth mindset? Right? Mm-hmm. Things like that. So. Um, yeah, I believe that everything should be actionable. So you give people the tools and techniques to get to where they want to be. And with regards to your sticking on the topic of kind of mindset, right. um, you've previously also spoken about um, the speed at which we 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 move in life, yeah. and and um, your philosophy is is for me quite counterintuitive. Um, yeah. and, and I think it was in the TED talk that you gave um, in Tanzania and Oyster Bay yeah. um, where you spoke about needing to slow down Yeah. Um, despite the fact that you mentioned that your own brain runs at like 100 miles an hour yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess w- what what led you to that because again that's not something especially as, as, we're, as we grow older and as people are kind of <laughs> starting on their journey right it's always about, uh, <clears throat> I need to do a million things at once. Like I need yeah. to, you know, I need to get rich. I need to be successful. I need to be yeah. happy. I need to everything. Yeah. And it's so frantic that you almost lose. I, I believe you can lose your 20s in that. Yeah. Um, and, and you'll hit 30. And then all of a sudden you're like trying to mellow down a little bit. Right. But you don't know how to because everything you've done has always been like crazy. Right. So w- what, I guess, what brought about that philosophy in yourself? I think it was the pain. I think the pain forced me to slow down, right? Because... Um, I, I've gone through quite, you know, uh, one, one tragic episode after another. And I think that up to that time, it was like, you live your life on kind of, kind of like, yeah, I found my purpose. I found my passion, but then it's like, after that, it's like autopilot. Right. So I look at like the episodes of pain as like telling me, okay, reflect now. Okay. Stop reflect. Right. Because Mm -hmm. it hits you and then kind of forces you to reflect. And I think it's probably worth noting here for, for right. people that aren't aware of the kind of stories or, 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 right. or the pain, the trauma that you've kind of been through in life. Yeah. 
the other thing that's quite um interesting i think is that like looking at um your story and even yourself i mean like when when we met on on saturday you're very yeah. like relaxed and, yeah. and energetic and bubbly and whatever else right but you have uh experienced quite a lot i would say in in, in very few years yeah so you mentioned in the ted talk that you went through a a, a, a divorce where your, your yeah. husband was having an affair yeah um you tragically lost your your best friend yeah. um to cancer yeah and your brother was also kidnapped right. um and returned safely alhamdulillah but yeah. like all in the space of like two three or three years, years. Yeah. Yeah. How, i mean if you can take us through a little bit of of the timeline of that and yeah. how how you develop the the mental fortitude to okay. to carry on because one of those traumas in themselves i think would be enough to break someone yeah so i'm going to be completely realistic because you know i think that that's you know if i want to help if you want to help anyone you have to be authentic right um it was there were dark times so i remember that um you know i i was married for for a good four years and then it was you know the the divorce happened and it was a very horrible sort of because it wasn't just a divorce it was also kind of deception and you know it was just like it was a movie okay mm. um it was a horrible horrible two months of my life you know and after that obviously you're finished yeah. because you know you're you're in a relationship you're in a you know marriage for so long and so yeah i was i was in a very bad state um and uh and i want people to understand that it's okay right it's okay to feel the pain because um we're human beings at the end of the day right so i was in a, i was in a terrible state i was in the hospital i genuinely didn't think that i would be okay because um just my whole world view changed mm -hmm. you see i I believe in the goodness of this world and whatever. And this this whole episode sort of just trashed everything I believed in, which is another thing because things are going to happen in your life that just change. They're going to force you to change your worldview, right? Or they're going to try to change your world worldview on things. And so, yeah, I was I was finished. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to get back up. Um, but then I took the steps to slowly, slowly do these things. And one of the things was that my family wouldn't have it. They were just like, okay, get up and get to work. You know, and that was one of it. And, and I'm being completely honest because I've seen other people. And I think that sometimes parents or we are a little bit too um, just, you know, laid back about it. And it can actually cause a, a bigger problem. Mm. Right. Yes. Like you wrap someone in cotton wool. And exactly. You don't let them... Yeah. You baby them too much. Yeah. And I think with my family it was a bit like, OK, just get over it now. You know, it's yeah. like two weeks later. And so I remember this. Your dad, scene. I imagine, gave you a bucket of golf balls and was like, hit, hit yeah. another 200. <laughs> no, no, it was actually funny because I remember I remember this. It's funny now with hindsight. and It wasn't funny then. But I would like walk into the boardroom and I'd have these meetings. And then I'd be like, excuse me, guys. I'd go to the bathroom and cry my eyes out, wash my face, come back. And, Are you serious? Yeah. And I'm not shared this before, but yes, this is what would happen. And it would keep happening, but then the pain just got better. And then, you know, um, I went for my sabbatical. I went to Lebanon for two months because I was like, you know, I just need to go and like rethink everything, you know, mm -hmm. just you know, finish writing my first book at that point. And so I went to study Arabic again because I don't want to be idle. So I studied Arabic for like, what, two months. It was an intensive Arabic pro program. And then um, in the in the evenings, I'd write my book, do my homework. And then and the, uh, during the weekends, I would um, go off and explore with my best friend, um, Leila. And so, yeah, um, I came back and I had my book launch. And four days later, my brother goes missing. 
So that was also nine days of just trauma, like complete trauma because we don't know where he is. We don't know what is happening. I was most scared for my mom because she had no idea. She was, she had traveled. So, so I, I, I <laughs> like, I'll give you my, my take on the whole thing. Cause obviously from yeah. like an outside perspective, I saw this, this was on like the BBC website and things right. like that. Cause your brother's, uh, was, was he at the time involved in politics or he previously no, has been? No, he has. He was an so ex-MP. He was, yeah. he was an ex-MP and he's a very successful businessman yeah. and, and obviously metal the, the, the conglomerate that you guys yeah. are both involved with is one of the largest uh, conglomerates in Africa, yeah. right? So I, I remember seeing uh, on the news a Muslim guy uh, from the same background as myself Right. was at the gym at 5.30 a.m. and was kidnapped. Right, yeah. And the first thing I thought is that, wow, this guy's at the gym at 5.30. Like, yeah, right. Like, yeah. Because, because, again, people have this perception of, like, successful yeah. business people and, it and just, CEOs. They, they think, you see, I think, look, I don't blame people because what's happening now with a lot of family businesses is that, you know, the, the, the father works really hard and the kids kind of, you know, yeah. just take advantage, right? Model, if I the, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, I think with with my family, my dad never let it let us have it that way, and yeah. uh, you know, he he ingrained that discipline from when we were really young. So all of us wake up really early. We have you know an early start. You know, we make every minute counts, kind of thing. And so in order to get, again, you gotta something's gotta give. You, if you want to get so much done in a day, you yeah. have to sort of have that sense of discipline. So if you don't mind me asking, just yeah. to kind of understand. So so did your father <laughs> was was he successful himself in business? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he set up uh, the, the the company. How like how did that all come? So together? he he when he started the company, it was mostly trading. So mm-hmm. first, he just started by basically um, traveling from. He had a couple of trucks, you know, and from from traveling from one part of the country to another, selling vegetables, but making like a thousand per- percent profit on them. Right? Not bad. Um, uh, yeah. Not right. Bad profit ratio. Um, right? But I remember everybody I've spoken to tell. They all tell me that I've never seen your father slow down. The guy just worked. He just worked. Like there was no Friday, Saturday, (coughs) Sunday, right? And so anyways, it was a trading house. And then then we bought a lot of sick companies, right? So companies that were not doing well. And we Mm. sort of pumped money into them and then um, started building up um, and doing a lot more manufacturing and textiles and things like that. So yeah, that's how we grew. And then, I guess, coming back to, to the, the story of your brother. Yeah. Um, as, I, as I said, from, from an outside perspective, we, we kind of saw this and there was yeah. a hashtag. Um, and there was like a whole campaign. Bring back of, Mo, yeah. Br- bring back, is it our Mo or bring back yeah, Mo? Yeah, bring back our Mo. Bring back story. our Mo. And yeah. um, w- I can't begin to imagine what that was like yeah. for, for you and your family. Yeah. Like, how, how did you receive the news the first, like, when you first found out? So, I remember I was in bed. Again, you know, we were, it was, I was up at six. So, I get a phone call and my dad calls me and he's like, Muhammad's been kidnapped. And I was like, who, my executive assistant? And he's like, no, your brother. And I was just like, what? And I remember I just, like, it was shocking, right? You know, and so I just ran down. And, uh, and then, you know, my family came together and we were just like now freaking out because trying to figure out what's happening put things together mm. um the pieces of the puzzle together and yeah so again then for nine days you didn't hear anything you know and uh it was just you know you towards the end you kind of lose hope right 
mm. by the seventh, eighth day. Every every day that goes on, you just think it's less and less likely that yeah, this is going to end come well. Back. Yeah, and uh, and I think for all of us, you know, my dad's been, and I, I talk about my mom in almost every talk because if it wasn't for her, I think we wouldn't be here because I think my dad instilled all the discipline and you know the sort of the 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 work ethic, mm. but my mom instilled the heart. And so the reason why this campaign went public and was so huge was because my brother has been loved in the country by everybody. Mm. He's very much loved. And it's because he did everything with his heart, right? He does everything with his heart. And my mom, I remember, you know, growing up, you know, coming from a wealthy household, she, she was very clear. And she would tell all of us, she's like, listen, if anyone comes and tells me you guys are arrogant or you're rude or you're proud, I will slap you. I don't care how old you are. And she said this, and I think it's so important because it's made us who we are, right? Mm. And also, it's, you know, today, um, I think that you can connect so much better with people if you just, there is no need for that ego, whoever you are or whatever you are, right? So, yeah, I thank my mom a lot for all that. That's, um, that's, it's really good, good to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I think, again, like, because... <laughs> There is that kind of natural kind of warmth that you have, and Thank I think you. It, it's you, you maintain that like level of realness. Yeah. Um. That often people, I think, lose along the way sometimes, yeah. especially when it comes to kind of success. And and I think more so in a place like Tanzania, where yeah. where there is a uh, a very different dynamic, I guess, in terms of like to the UK. Right. So you have drivers, you have yeah. uh, servants, you have cooks, you have yeah. maids, you have all of this stuff. Yeah. And that's not even like the upper class. The middle class have that as yeah, well. Yeah, everyone, yeah. Um, and, and so I've seen um, people, because obviously my background is I'm East African as well. I, I've seen people who have um, the people working in their houses and don't treat them with, with the most yeah, respect. My, my, I, you know, and uh, people... So I watched something and this was something motivational, but also actionable. And that's why I talk about action. Um, I watched a guy in the Navy and he said, if you want to be successful, make your bed first thing in the morning. And I do that every oh, single morning. Like I've seen that video. I love it. but And I do it <laughs> every single, that thing way. stuck with me. Even when, like, it doesn't matter where I am, I get up and I do my bed. And I go and I, and you know, it's here. It's like when you tell people, they're like, uh, right, big whoop, right? You know, like we do everything. But I'm like, you know, it's um, at home, People just get up and they just leave, right? Because everything's done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I've managed to sort of... Can I give you my philosophy on that? Sure, tell me. So look, the bed is going to be there when you come back. Mm-hmm. Right? If, if, if the blanket is like turned up slightly or whatever, yeah. you just jump in bed and you go back to sleep. Okay. What's the issue? Okay, let me tell you something. Right. Um, you know, when you... First thing in the morning when you feel a sense of achievement, and I'm saying this through practice. I'm not telling you because of what I heard. Yeah. I'm telling you because I've done it, okay? Mm. Um... It's it's just the way your brain works, right? Like if you feel that something's done, you've accomplished something, even if it's small, you feel that kind of momentum to keep going that day, right? It's like one thing done. I don't know. We have a <laughs> no, different. Might, no, I get it. I mean, right. I, I think a lot of this stuff is very uh, it's very subjective, right? Because, because but it's also discipline, isn't it? Like today, I feel that um, it's so nice that when you wake up and you do things for yourself and you take care of your surroundings like it's so nice to come back to like a sort of uh, a clean surround 
I, no, again, it works. It works for something like, yeah. I mean, you, luckily it's not on camera, but my mm-hmm. desk is always a mess. Yeah. I'm not a details person. No, yeah. Um, the, you see, you can't be everything, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like today, you know, um, you can't be so like detailed, but then at the same time, like, you know, there's nowadays, you know, people used to say, oh, you know, you have to be an early bird to be successful. Mm. Look, it just so happened we all are, but I don't believe in that. There's some people and mostly the creative people. So, you know, a lot of people on my team that I work with, they're all creative, creative people. So. And they tell me that, look, Fatima, you know, um, please. And because I'm that type of leader where I will assess you and I'll say, okay, you know, this is, I know you're good at this and I know that you'll get it done. If I give you breathing space, I don't care if you're out, right? As long as you just get it done. Or if you have to be up until three, get it done. And then if you get up a little bit later, right? So you have to understand everyone's mindset, right? So I'm, I'm funny enough in an office surrounded by creatives. Right. Um, so Hasib, as an example, we've worked together for seven years i want to say um maybe even longer and he'll go through a phase of for example um creatively being stifled right and then all of a sudden go on like a 72 hour rampage and when i say 72 i mean like 72 hours no sleep just you know in the office constantly (laughs) slogging away yeah and producing absolute magic Right. Um, and and it's interesting because when you talk about, uh, you know, and when people say like, oh, it's all about being an early bird. Like, as you say, creatives especially yeah. are often the complete opposite. And, and you can't, creativity, I don't think, can be confined to 9, 9 yeah. a.m. to 5 p.m. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, right? It's, no. it's just a different um, world altogether. Yeah. Uh, so so we, we've, we've briefly talked about, I guess, the, the situation with your, your marriage and your brother and also yeah. then... Um, so, so just in terms of understanding the timeline of things, right. after did, did your friend pass away after your brother's yeah, kidnapping? Yeah, after my brother. Yeah, so this so, was just uh, February last year. Oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah, to yeah. So 2019. Yeah, and so this this is a girl that I met in D.C. when I went to study at yeah. Georgetown. And yeah, we were, very, we were best friends. She was with me in Lebanon. And it was just sort of very sudden and very young, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, I... I uh, it was horrible. And, and, you know, I say when you see someone, I think it also makes you a lot more empathetic as a human being because, you know, I so another thing that I did is I've interviewed over 50 women in Tanzania. OK, and um, so different from women from different backgrounds as part of my Educate, Empower and Inspire platform. And I remember I talked to these women and some of them have gone through such like challenges in their lives Mm. right and so you talk to them you can kind of sympathize at that point i'll be like oh man this is terrible right um but then you don't you i couldn't really empathize but then when all this happened i was like wow like i feel your pain you know and i I remember watching some of the interviews and i was like oh my gosh this is you know and i'd done one on with three women two of them who had lost their kids and one who was a widow at a very young age on overcoming tragedy that wasn't one of the interviews I'd done like maybe five years ago, four yeah. years ago. And I remember rewatching it and then just, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, like I've been through this now. And it's, it's like it's so, so real, it's so real. Yeah. And, and, and one thing that I want to say is that it's OK to be in pain. Like, you know, I, I don't want people to think, oh, my God, she's, you know, she's up about I want you to know you're going to be OK. Right. Mm. You're going to be OK, but it's OK if you're in pain. It's part of being a human being right and i think it humbles you the pain humbles you you know it it really teaches you to be like okay you know is dude 
calm down. You're a human being and mm. things can happen to you too, you know? And so it really, yeah, it humbles you. I think the crazy thing about um, <coughs> you mentioned, you know, being a human being right. is that we, we all go through so much and, yeah. and like specifically thinking about things like divorce, death, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. We, we talk about them in such a trivial manner. And, and right. I think obviously given like time and perspective and healing, you're able to do that. But we sometimes fail to appreciate the, the, the intensity of it yeah. and the trauma of it as well. Like, you know, yeah. some people will go through an experience of death in the family and never recover, yeah. be, it, be it a loved one, a child, yeah. a, a parent even. Yeah. Um, although it's like, it's, it's the most human thing ever, death. I know. Um, but it's I something know. that can, can, can ultimately alter and change us forever, right? Yeah. I've seen some of the strongest people crumble in the, when they're in pain, you know? And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I genuinely, like I said, I didn't think I was going to make it. I did not think it was gonna, I was going to be here, let alone anywhere, um, you know? And then I guess one of the key kind of driving messages for yourself again now is is looking at turning your pain into your purpose. Yeah. That's something that you've said before a couple of times. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? So I think that you see um, one and one of the things that kept me going is that it wasn't the marketing. It wasn't the it was just because I had a purpose that was a little bigger than me. And I and alhamdulillah, again, I figured all this out very young when I was very young, um, to sort of not be so self-centered. And, um, you know, you have to care about other people, whether, mm. you know, it's making connections in terms of, you know, with my brand and people, or it was creating a platform to help other people. Um, I knew that I owed it to some to other people to get up in the morning. And I know people are like, oh, but that's, you know, too selfless. And, you know, when you're in pain, you're so consumed. But it's also selfish because imagine you going out and helping other people gives you value, doesn't it? Right? It gives you a sense of value. And so in my head, it happened very slowly getting back up, right? Mm-hmm. It was like getting back up and then get crashed again. Then it, it's almost like the second time and the third time, the pain's intense. It's horrible, but you know how to deal with it better. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you know, almost what to do to like, so, no. so my, my problem is that theoretically it makes sense. Yeah. But you you don't know until you've lived it, right? Yeah. And it's something that you don't wish on anyone, like, no. obviously, right? So it's it's as I said, it, it's it's remarkable. And, and like when when uh, when I listen to the TED talk, and I recommend yeah. people listening to this to listen to the TED talk that you did, because um, you you kind of you can see the pain. Um, and, and you were very open and you were very kind of willing to share yeah. that with the audience. And it was the first time I want to say this because, you know, I um, it was the first time that I I spoke about these things mm. um, open to the public because, you know, I, I usually it's always about someone else. It's always about, OK, my story, but it's always the fun stories and the oh, how did I get here stories? Mm. Right. And I thought, look, if I want to be truly authentic and, you know, people, they look at you and they and I said this, like they look at the titles. Right. And I've had this, oh, but you're, you've given, you've been given all this, but you know, and I don't blame them. I genuinely don't because I mean, you would assume, right? That, but I think that for the first time, I, this is humanizing, you know, like this is just making a connection with another human being and saying that, look, this is what happened to me. It was horrible. You guys didn't see it because I was up there giving speeches and speaking to my team and I was all happy. Like I said, in the board. It's all about strength and power at that point, not vulnerability. 
Yeah. And, and and that's the thing where I think we've we've both been lucky enough to to be able to sit down with with dozens and dozens of people and interview them. Yeah. And when you hear people's stories, like you you number one form a connection with them as an individual, yeah. but also like you realize that every single human being is so complex and and um kind of uh, has so much about them. Yeah. That it's very it becomes very difficult to just brush anyone aside because you know everyone's got a story everyone's got yeah. a struggle yeah. even like when it comes to the workplace where if if you know that someone is not performing or they're distracted or whatever yeah it's very then this is where it becomes like <laughs> okay when is it your problem as a human being and when is it your problem as a boss because yeah. if it's about them fixing up you can just get, you know have a go at them and be yeah. like listen pay more attention to your job but if you kind of start to understand that maybe he's having issues at home or yeah. financial or whatever it might be yeah. It becomes very difficult then because as a empathetic human being, yeah. you have to kind of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. engage in that way, right? Hey, hey. Um, with regards to your experience in kind of positions of, of leadership in a company, again, yeah. there's, a, there's an interesting, quite funny story you told about uh, Harvard interns. Yeah. Um, coming if you don't mind just sharing yeah. that with us again yeah so basically I um, I had a bunch of Harvard University MBA students come in and you know they um, they're smart kids you know so they were always on email with them because they were coming to intern with me and so you know I was, and very nice and then they walk into the boardroom and they were like where where is she and I was like hey like it's me and so I think first of all you know wearing hijab I look much younger and you know it's just like the package doesn't fit like the sort of title or yeah, like the yeah, work, yeah. right? And um, mind you, they all had to read my book before. So they were probably, I don't know. They didn't, I think in their head, it was like a completely different phenomenon. Mm. But um, again, you know, environment, you expect like a 40 to 50 year old yeah. woman in like a power suit. I think yeah. that's the stereotype that people have yeah. in their heads. Yeah. But you see, the thing is that it's also then, okay, they have that barrier already. How do you break it? Right. So with me, I, I tell everyone this, like, just be nice, be kind, like just be human. You know what I'm saying? Like the problem with a lot of people is like now they want to show their power. And so they're like, oh my God, this is who I am. And I'm mm-hmm. like, look, they were there for what, four weeks, three, four weeks. I got to know them so well. I took them to a football game. Like, it was amazing. Like, we, you know, we formed a connection and um, and so much respect was built and so much work was done. And, it, you know, it's... And this is not the first time. I've had Georgia Tech students come in and be like, what? Like, what is going on? You know, and we flew down all this way to be intern, like, be her intern, you be know? Your, your intern, yeah. But, you know, it's... Uh, it's okay. I think, you know, stop taking things too personally, I think sometimes. And um, I think there's always, like, I've been reading this book. It's called Everything is Figureoutable. And I, so I feel like I've lived it before I read it. You know, um, I just believe that you can figure everything out if you just have the right attitude. So we have, we have these kind of notions of, um, from, from the perspective of um, gender dynamics in, yeah. in leadership and in yeah. the workplace and whatever yeah. else. I know there's there's definitely a problem with like a gender pay gap in the UK. Yeah. Um. And and I'm I, it's a complete blind spot of mine with regards to Tanzania and Africa yeah. generally. Yeah. But what's the what's the dynamics like there? Um. In in terms of are there many female mm. uh, females in leadership positions? What's the perception? Like, what's it like from a sexist perspective? Um. How how has that all kind of been for you? I think that um. There are not as many female leaders um, in Tanzania, but I think as that... In, in, in contrast to the UK or to the West generally, do you have an idea? 
I think it's about the same. We can say, really? you know, yeah. Um, but I think that women are very like that they are coming up, you know, mm. that they are like starting to sort of rise up and 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 take initiative and you know um, and. I guess do things right, but um, it's the same sort of issues. You know, you have a woman in a leadership position. There's a lot of harassment. There's a lot of oh, like you're not good enough. You don't know what you're doing. How can you, you know, um, how can you balance your life? And you know, it's a lot of judgment, right? Um, so it's it's the same issues everywhere. I think. And what what what's I guess the the, the interesting thing is then what's personally helped you with that? <laughs> Look. On the one hand, I think that it's a blessing that I'm, you know, I was given this opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I can't take that away, that I was blessed with that. Um, but I think also that, you know, when you speak, and, and this is just a leadership thing, you know, like I work with people, and I wrote about this in my first book, that I speak to people who have worked for multinational companies for 40 years, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're working like under me i'm their boss or whatever you'd like to call right but how do you speak with them like with me it's always oh great i'm learning something and so i always shut up and i listen and i listen to what everyone says and um and i've realized that you know first of all it gives them so much they feel respected and i'm learning so much along the way and so i feel that doing that i've managed to get to where i am because i've given them that sense of respect but i think people would would be weary of doing that in your position because yeah. I'm thinking if I was there I would constantly be thinking oh everyone thinks I'm here because of privilege yeah um, and I don't deserve to be here but you are I, I know but then how do you um, how do you address that because like okay now you tell me something okay yeah. um, I have one choice that I can squander the opportunity or I can learn from it right like I can just sort of be there and go like I'm given this great platform now, it's up to me. It's in my hands what I do with it, mm. right? So what I'm trying to say is that, look, whatever people perceive of you at that point, I didn't care because I was there to learn. I wa- Like I said, I didn't study marketing. I sort of created the department on my own, right? How are you supposed to create a department if you're not willing to learn, if you're not willing to listen to other people, right? And, you know, I have just, I don't know if it's, I, I've read a lot, I've watched a lot of stuff and i've noticed that you know i've I've used a lot of these tools like mm. like listening you know they say that leaders should always speak last why it makes so much sense because if you all you do is you want to speak you don't want to listen you no one will be able to even fear right like if you in in you know my dad has a persona and people are kind of they're scared of him and it's got him where he is because he's a no mess around person mm-hmm. but with me people are more they 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 i sort of lead with that you know hey if, if there's anything come and talk to mm-hmm. me so they'll come and tell me that fatima look i think there's a problem with the production of this item like there's a there's an issue if you don't fix it it's gonna cause a problem in your in your sales yeah so having that sort of mentality has helped a lot you know so it's interesting you you, you definitely have seen the merit in in your dad's leadership style yeah and but but also acknowledge that there are different ways oh, 100%. of being a leader i remember when i was doing marketing he's like what is this such a waste of money and i'm like okay but i'm gonna do it Sounds anyways like every father talking and, to every child ever. and and you know look you see <laughs> but you have to understand that's what i'm trying to say like you have to understand that other people's perspective right like mm. today 
he until recently was so involved with the labeling of the, the of our FMCG products. He's a he's a like chairman of the company. Mm. You're like buddy, leave this to me. What are you doing? You know. Um, but what I what I and I've said this in my book. I'm like, look, you know, I could have easily started like hitting heads with him and being like, what are you doing? You know, are you insane? Like, why are you getting involved in the labeling? But then, you know, I sort of thought to myself, okay, why don't I work with him? Right. And yeah. then slowly, slowly, you know, he'll learn to let go. But it's like, look, it's like today, let's say this is your baby. Right. Or like you have a business and someone just comes in and they're like, I have a great idea. I'm going to start like and completely doesn't don't care about what you have in mind. Mm. It's not easy. This my dad has built this from scratch with his hands. You know, you have to understand that. Right. So I used to be very angry and upset and like, are you crazy? What do you, you know? This is really annoying. But then I changed my perspective because I knew if I wanted to be <laughs> you started successful, to market your marketing yeah, department. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right? Like yeah. It, it, yeah. I guess, yeah. It's, it's I, I mean, it's interesting from like a business yeah. perspective looking generationally at, at yeah. like the changes because as you said, the, the, the company didn't have a marketing department right. because they probably at the time saw no value didn't understand or appreciate what it right. was. Yeah. You've come in from like a different perspective, having gone off to America, studied whatever else, yeah. come back yeah. and and have completely different ideas and experiences that have shaped your business interests. Yeah. And I guess the the, the, the luck of it for yourself is that they, your this entity was able to facilitate that for you. 100%. But then that's only 10% of the journey because then from yeah. there it's being able to grow that and develop and, and do whatever yeah. you've kind of done with it. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, you, you've mentioned the struggles that you faced kind of in your in your personal life and, right. and, and the traumas that you've been through. But from a, a business perspective, yeah, um, what are the what are the big obstacles or the, or the big issues that you found? Um, I guess just just working, be it like in Tanzania, working in a family business, I'm, I'm sure can't mm. be fun either. Yeah. Um, yeah. What have been the biggest kind of uh, so, things to overcome? Like I said, you know, at the beginning, everybody was, you know, it's like um, a sense of control. They don't want to give you that, you know, that freedom because it's your department to kind mm. of do what you want. Right. So there was a lot of control. And then, you know, it was just like the whole mindset, you know, how people work as opposed to how you work. Right. Um, sorry, sorry to yeah. interrupt. But like uh, when, when things like that are happening. Yeah. Th- does it affect you from a perspective of ego as well? Like, does it make you think, oh, am I good enough? Do these guys know yeah. more? Yeah, that it, it happened when I was younger. Yeah. So like, for example, you see in in the West, um, how things work is you have the research and development team doing com- doing the market research, coming up with, hey, let's go figure out what is needed in the market mm-hmm. and then make the product. Right. Here, it was my dad going, make this. And then now you guys sell it and market it. Do you understand? Completely different sort of um, uh, way of working, mm. right? Top so, down, basically. Exactly, yeah. top down, right? So um, what, I, what I did is slowly, slowly, I started to change things up, right? So one of the things that we worked on was, I remember when we introduced um, the detergents, um, we went and did some market research and we realized that people were adding, adding dental to the, the the detergent to kill the bacteria because it wasn't present in the detergent. So I was like, I went to them. I went to the the my dad and like, you know, the finance people. I was like, hey, you know, this is a good idea. You know, why don't we just have a detergent that has the antibacterial in it? And they were like, mm, yeah, we'll look into it. Good idea. Fine. 
you know so you can like i said nothing happens overnight right mm. it it's it's there's always that struggle you're going to hit heads you're going to hit heads with everybody dude i work with there's 28000 employees in the company which like i work with all the unit heads so you're looking at what 150 people that i work with closely yeah. right i mean you're not gonna it's never it's never an easy ride but it's also just how you speak to people right mm. this is marketing right yeah how you connect with them i guess yeah <laughs> and, and and i guess that's then um taking you to a a, a situation and, and and funny enough you're on your way from here to to oxford university yeah. to, for a book signing yeah um but you've written two books now yeah. on the topic of marketing yeah um I mean you have like we we've spoken a few times now and we always end up on like some random <laughs> niche marketing conversation because obviously yeah. that's my background as well. Yeah. But you have like a real energy and passion for it which I, I think is, is is amazing. Yeah. Um and it's even taken you to the to the level of of writing books. Yeah. And also now I do a lot of consulting basically so like a lot of um it started off as like people be like hey like you know I have a great startup idea like do you do you do consulting and I was like huh what like this sounds interesting the answer is so always like, yes yes so it's question always like, yeah, yeah, cool, yes I, i can do it yeah. and we'll figure out how to do it later exactly <laughs> and I, and so i remember like it first started off with just seminars on public <laughs> speaking and then i was like yeah you know this is like i mean you know it's kind of the motivational speaking is kind of getting you know a little redundant now mm. so i was like look i love business i love marketing i love like you know all this like soft um you know the soft skills that come with it right mm. today look if you have a great resume you don't know how to deliver yourself or like you know um get someone to hire you what's the point right so i was like you know what i started these coffee sessions again everybody was like this is so dumb like i don't know what you're doing i remember people and the good thing is you know i just don't care Like I I genuinely if I put my mind to something and I want to do it I don't care what anyone has to say. Yeah. I'll fail it and then be like okay that was a bad idea. But I'll get my You take lessons from it as well, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And this thing just went crazy. Like people were it was exciting like you know and it, again I, I was talking to you about it earlier the reason why I loved it is because it's progressive. It's not like a one day workshop and then it's over. It was like over six weeks. And you know what happens is like for me the most beautiful thing is like people who come in for all this i had dentists and doctors and like like old men like who was 70 year old man who like came to this event like to to my coffee sessions and it was just like honestly amazing like very good experience and with regards to the books um yeah so the 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 second one is available for pre-order yes, stories on amazon there. yeah what 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 happened between the first book and the second book that you write, needed to write a second one? So the second book is about storytelling and marketing, right? So building brands and sort of it's about heart, right? But it's also a how-to guide. So like I said, everything is actionable. Mm-hmm. So I realized that look, the first book was about my story, which is good because I think that people needed to know my background before they bought a second book about, hey, okay, now I know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I've done a bunch of stuff. Now let me teach you how to do storytelling and connecting with people and how to brand yourself as a person, how to brand your business whether it's on social media, whether it's anywhere, right? So that's what the second book is mostly about. It's a, like a it's a how-to guide, right? It's interesting because when when you've also talked about brands and personal brands and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And and it's the world that we live in now is pretty much shaped around that. 100%. So it it's all a case of um you know influencers for example have, yeah. have, have influencer skyrocketed. marketing influencer marketing has skyrocketed yeah. and i think now it's maybe a bit saturated and 
Yeah. And we can, that's like a more another, another marketing conversation. That we can have, yeah. But when yeah. you look at the impact that personal branding has yeah. Yeah. and like having that human touch yeah. and that human effect. And I always look at examples like Coca-Cola. Mm. Um, Please don't use Coca-Cola. They're my competitors. Okay. Well, I'm just I, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was, I was going to use them regardless, <laughs> but... Because I don't know any no, others, but know, you know the I Coke know. studios in uh, yeah. in India, and, and even in Africa are huge. Oh, is the Coke studios? Oh, enormous. So, so yeah. Coke Studios is an example of a company just like taking that feel good factor, yeah, and doing that and giving that to people. Even though there's no Coke bottles in there, yeah. it's unrelated entirely, yeah. but it's just that positive brand association. Yeah. But it creates a, a, an so emotion. So that, so that's I'm going to talk now that you spoke about Coke. I'm sorry, I have to do it. Yeah. As a marketer, you're going to plug so, out your own product. I have to. So what I 150 products you can plug right yeah but i have an umbrella brand called mo and what is the tagline it's called in kiswahili which means we touch your life and the reason why i had that is because from the moment you wake up to the moment you use you go to sleep you're constantly using our products so when you wake up you use our wheat flour oil then in the afternoon if you're thirsty whatever you use our um you know our soap and then our i mean sorry our water our soda you know then you know you you use our bajaj to get to places right our bikes and then you wear our kitenge so like detergent right so throughout the day from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep we're in your life everything yeah that wasn't there right but um but about the what you're saying it's it's fundamental right mm-hmm. because um what i want my vision for the company is that if someone looks at just mo on a billboard it's like the mcdonald's sign you know mm-hmm. i want them to know exactly what we're about without having to go and see products. So that was one of the things that was happening before. Like when we would do branding, it was just like, I didn't understand. Like people would, we would just like have truck branding. Like it's a huge thing there. And you just paste our products on the brand. And then I'm like, I don't get it. Why would anybody think that's even aesthetically pleasing on the one hand or like have any emotion? So I'm like, look guys, like, what would you want to see? Like what, what do other people do? Learn from it. So then we started taking more like, photo shoots of like people and families using the product, you know, and putting things like that up because that's what it's all about, right? And we also do a lot of influencer marketing. It's huge in Tanzania. Yeah, so we have someone um, who uh, sort of uh, uh, connects, we connect them to our beauty soap. One of them, um, a huge entertainment star who uh, does our bikes, right? So our our Bajaj bikes. Mm. And then there's one who does our um, soap uh, a wheat flour so she's she has a restaurant and she's a kind of a, a cook and now we're working with another comedian who's going to be doing our sodas and water yeah it's it's uh i mean you're, you're also definitely very fortunate to be in a position yeah um to work with a company at such scale yeah it just gives you the opportunity i guess to do exactly. so much right yeah and i tell people this that look you know i'm lucky because i i have I had had the opportunity to fail at the beginning. I did. Mm-hmm. Because also one... I, I, right? I think, sorry, it's, it's worth appreciating there's yeah. a huge safety net. There is. You, right? No, no. And, and that's why, look, I do, again, it's all about being authentic. I'm not going to come and lie to you and, mm-hmm. and be like, right? But yes, there was failure was there. But at the same time, I think that... Um, you know, I took calculated risks, right? Like I didn't do dumb stuff. Like it was, there was all the budgets where I'm a finance major. So like there are budgets in place, like, you know, everything was there, right? Like the, when I went and I, I, and I went to management and I was like, Hey guys, this is the budget I need yeah. for marketing. There was a, there was a whole like 
idea behind it. It wasn't just like, hey, you know, this is this is give me this money and I'll figure it out, right? So. No, that's really cool. I I think it's it's um it's remarkable. I guess uh, your what's the word I want to use? Multi layeredness, mm. if that's a word. Mm. Just sure. is, is it just just yeah. in case. Yeah, we'll, we'll run with it. Yeah, of just course. in case of like the diversity of, of of what you do, the titles as you say that people yeah. know you by. Yeah. But then, kind of underneath that, there's there's quite a lot in terms of you. Um, understanding and appreciating the the the, the privilege that you've had yeah. and then also being able to utilize that and have as you say have the humility um in times when working with with people to listen and learn and, yeah. and appreciate that because yeah. it, i think it would be very easy to come in and say no i'm the boss's daughter i'm gonna do what i want and i'll tell you one thing people watch you huh yeah. your own team people watch what you do and so if you want to be a leader yeah you got to be a good leader. You can't just like come in, have a bad attitude, be pissed off. Come in come late, late, leave early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, course. you see, because they saw, like today, people on my team, they're like, Fatima, like, how did you finish both the books? Like, how do you do this? They come and ask me and I'm like, well, when I go home, like, I, this I is what work. I do, right? Like, this is, that's my creativity time, right? Because I'm at home. I don't want to do it at work. Like, I don't like to be in that environment. I like to be either at home or somewhere outside when I'm writing, right? So, um, People watch you and I think you have to be very, and, and this is one advice that I have, and I'm sorry, I have to plug this in as well, just for parents, right? Because I think that one, lead by example, you know, don't be a hypocrite, you know, and be like, oh, you can do this, but then you're doing something else. Mm. And two, um, this whole idea of, uh, you know, I don't know if my dad knew what he was doing, but this bias sort of thing. Look, I'm, I'm not a feminist at all. I'm really not. Like, I believe that women have a beauty. Like, we're created by Allah as equals, but we are, you know, we can have children and there's a whole beauty to all that and being a wife. And, you know, I think it's it's wonderful, right? And and this is something that, you know, a lot of people are, come to me and they're like, oh, yeah, it's a really stupid thing you say, but I don't care. I, I, I believe say, we don't, that. We don't have time to unpick this, but we'll... we'll right, yeah. but I do. I, I This is just my thought process and I'm not going to change it. Yeah, of okay? course. You're but, entitled to that. Thank you. But um, at the same time, I think that, you know, how you speak to your daughters and your, and your sons, be very careful, you know, don't put these things in their mind when they're growing up. It can really tear them down, you know? And so be very careful the way you talk to your kids. Mm. You know? Well, I, I, I find enough. I was, I was gonna ask you, like, if you had any advice, but I think we'll take that on as, as something yeah. for, for parents to, to look yeah. at with regards to shaping their kids. Um, but no, th- thank you very much for, oh, for coming you. here. Like, I, I'm glad we were able to do yeah. this. I know you're only in town for a very short time. Yeah. Um, thank you. But it's, uh, as I said, it, it, it's, it's. Uh, we could talk for hours. I think yeah. because there's just there's so much that you've you've done and experienced yeah. and. All the women, I, I need to, I, I was watching some of the stuff that yeah. you've done. I need to watch more of the interviews because I yeah. think even their own, the, the stories of the women yeah. that you've profiled. But I want to ask you, like, don't you think that... Is it a rhetorical feel, question or do you want an actual answer? No, I, I want an answer. Okay, go on. I want to ask you that Doesn't you've done all this work, right? Yeah. And um, what what is the most rewarding thing? The look on my daughter's face. No. Um, <laughs> Oh, wow. no, um, the mean... most re- you know what you know what the most rewarding thing for me yeah is is being able to um I, I guess like look back you know when you when you take a moment and right. and you just look at what's going on like now I'll tell you honestly now so I'm going away tomorrow evening um mm. for a week 
um, with my family. Now everyone knows my travel schedule, but that's the second second reason. <laughs> um, when I'm able to kind of know that everybody is going to be in the office, the Muslim vibe is still functioning, people are doing their thing. Like that's incredible because we've created that from the ground up. Yeah. So early days, it was myself and Hasib working on this project. And if I didn't, up, we, we tried to upload one article a day on the website as a minimum. If I didn't do that, he would be bollocking me because it was just the two of us. If mm-hmm. I went away, like there was no slack to give. Do you know what I mean? I agree. But when, when for, so for me now, when I'm able to kind of look at what we've, what we've created and yeah. where we're at now, it's like, it's just an, a nice feeling of like, we've actualized something given, as you said earlier, it's like giving birth. To yeah. a child almost. And yeah. I joked about the, the, the smile on my child's face, which I, I it like. it is, yeah. No, but, but it's the same thing here, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. So I for, know. is that the right answer? A part, you know, you know, it actually gave me a sense of, because, you know, usually when people ask me, I'm like, oh, it's to make a difference. And it is. It is. There is a purpose. Is. But it's so nice to also sometimes look back and think, oh, wow, I did something and it's great. And just sort of acknowledge that you've done something great. And I took that from you but so. but uh, i mean the secondary as you yes, said I, <laughs> it's okay you're saying first you, i'm sorry we can only take uh, one answer, the one answer. So, oh god yeah. i failed the interview <laughs> this is why i sit here and i don't do it the other way okay. um but no thank you so much for your no, time really you. appreciate it yeah, it's um a pleasure. and and definitely come back to see us again next time you're in the uk inshallah thank you salam mm-hmm.